when you look at GQ, 70s style, according to these covers, you had guys that were, you know, in the nice suits, probably with the, uh, probably had the collars a little bit bigger. You know, you had the turtleneck sweaters going with the leather jackets. Okay. The look was in. It was classy. It was masculine. That's their idea of masculine, masculinity in the 70s. 80s? Not much different. Hair gets a little more styled, but still, you got the look. Masculine, looks hard, cool, alpha male, has a different feel, a different look to it. And then 2019 comes along and we get this. Pharrell Williams dresses in what's basically, it's a dress. This, I don't know any guy that even wears this, but this is the idea now of what is identity, identity, culture, and style in 2019. The new masculinity. Now, I'm not going to say that this wasn't clickbait. It absolutely was. You know, GQ wanted to get somebody to read about this story and start talking about it. Well, mission accomplished. You got me to talk about it. So here we are. Let's bring it up and let's talk about what this is all about and what the idea of their new masculinity is. I wonder what they're talking about. So the new editor-in-chief, Will Welch, this is the guy, by the way. This is your editor-in-chief right now of GQ. Masculinity is changing, changes good. Let me go into the story itself. So in September, he just became the new editor-in-chief of GQ, and now here's what he's going on. He says now that our society had been wearing blinders that shielded a pervasive culture of sexual intimidation and violence and blatant gender inequality. But some exceedingly brave people, many of whom were the victims of that unequal, violent, and discriminatory culture itself, were in the process of showing everyone the plain truth. So now, his question was, when he decided to take over the first year of GQ, is how do you make a so-called men's magazine in the thick of what has been justifiably become the shut-up-and-listen moment? Right. So now here's what the magazine is going to be. So basically put it like this. GQ, as you know, it is done. Let's just put it like that. Okay. One of the addressing things they've done is they're making a magazine that isn't really trying to show. It's trying to be exclusively for or about men at all. For many years now, one of the key principles at GQ is if we tell stories that must excite our smart, voracious, politically and socially engaged team connected with a smart, Engage diverse and gender non-specific audience. This is not GQ then. Listen, if you want to include gay, transgender, well then, then don't call it gentlemen. Just it's got to be a different phrase. Because why are you going to put the man in there? And why are you going to go ahead and disassociate what this magazine that's been around for decades as a heritage men's magazine for the gentleman? Okay, the guy that is the guy's guy, the alpha male. Well, let's not do that. We're going to change that all together. So now they're mentioning then men's fashion, which is the first thing to go after is the new masculinity issue. And now they're going through and listen to different voices that are going on that are in the space that are really exceptionalizing the new masculinity, if you will. So there is. How to speak to closed-minded men about topics like sexual discrimination in the workplace, gender non-binary, uh, a gender non-binary actor who is simultaneously advocating for greater inclusivity in Hollywood and acknowledging their own privilege. Asia Kate Dillon, which by the way, Asia Kate Dillon is a very good actress or actor, however you want to 
you know, take the gender pronouns. I don't know those and I don't try to know those. Then also different comedians who are both minding this moment for poignant, provocative laughs. And also they spoke with an anthropologist who was debunking the idea that testosterone determines male behavior. Again, this is all out of control. Social justice personified. GQ has decided to go ahead and go completely woke. If that's what you want to do, go right ahead. But don't call yourself a GQ magazine or don't expect any guys. Maybe you're tried and true readers to go ahead and follow along with this because this doesn't make any sense. So here's what is being said now in this article from the editor-in-chief. He says, before I step aside and let all the many thoughtful voices in this as you speak, he wants to unpack one word that keeps coming up in the pages as the antidote to toxicity, empathy. It's our ability to feel what other people are feeling, the foundation of love and the golden rule. So, again, this is more of the new masculinity. Pharrell, listen, it's stylish. I'll give him that. But you're going to show me that dress just for shock value. You want people to go ahead and pick up that magazine on the store shelf, supermarket, wherever you are, drugstore. You want to go ahead and do that. Get it. But you do understand you're going to abandon the audience that probably ever read GQ in the first place. You're going to get every morning show to talk about it. You're going to get everybody else to talk about it. The mainstream is going to go ahead and go all tizzy over it. Well, good for you. Was it worth it to go ahead and trash all the years of previous years uh, stories? Like what would Cosmopolitan be like if they decided to go all for guys or just only talk about gay and transgender and eliminate women altogether? What would that be like? Don't be surprised if that doesn't happen. But this is something that sounds like a good idea. Huh, okay, good. But again, this is where there's an attack against masculinity in general. I don't even know what it's for. Why? Why guys just can't have their own thing? Why do you have to go ahead and infiltrate something that has been a guy's thing for a long time? It's the same thing with Playboy. I mean, Playboy, okay, don't show any more nudes. Fine, I don't care. But you are eliminating the audience that used to go ahead and follow along. And what happens? Now they have to put more tasteful, more of the type of stuff that guys used to buy this magazine for for many years because Hugh Hefner's son decided to change the, the dynamic to go woke, and it didn't work. And this will not work either. But then again, GQ, maybe GQ is just a dying magazine that's just like a last breath ever to do something, effort to do something because this new editor-in-chief thinks, well, I'm not going to be able to do what I normally do. I probably don't even relate to the alpha guys out there. Or the men. And I don't want to do that because that's going against woke culture. I'm in New York. I have to change the culture how it is. The fashion's changing because they want to do a certain way. Well, you're not going to make men into women. Not going to make me go into that. My thing is, it's fine to go ahead and show the cultural differences of men. And if Pharrell has a different look to him, yeah, fine. It's a different look, a different style. But does that really identify masculinity? Why are we calling it the new masculinity? Because calling it a new masculinity says there's something wrong with the old masculinity. Because people want to go ahead and change and basically, basically, you know, estrogenize all the guys out there, emasculate them all, take their balls right out and just throw them away. So women can't just have the control. And, you know, the culture just can't have guys be guys anymore. Something's wrong with that. It's politically incorrect. Just being who you were born to be, which I thought that's what we wanted people to be acting like, right? Be 
who you were born to be. You were born this way. Well, then you know what? If I was born this way, accept it because I accept you the way you are. Why are you going to go ahead and put this on us and put out, you know, this kind of thing, new masculinity? You know what you're doing and spiritual warfare. So what is that? Against the church? Against religion? What are we talking about there? You're trying to deprogram people into being something that they're not or thinking that there's something wrong with them. There's supposed to be a guilt of being a man. Well, there's no guilt here. Not at all. Well, and then Pharrell then talks about pushing the masculinity conversation forward. Well, he's also called an influential futurist. Now, look again. Look at the pictures I'm looking at right here. This is, I mean, not so much like the dress, but Pharrell is... He's a unique character. You know, he's talented, very talented. I like a lot of his music. I like a lot of his production. His work with the Neptunes, doing his own work, Blurred Lines, Happy. You know, I like all that. I mean, really, no problem with all that. But for whatever reason, and I forget the song he did with Rihanna. I can't think of it right now. But good for him. Listen, he gets to express himself. But now, what is he going to say about things and what's going on. By the way, look at all the clothes. Thousand dollars for the sweater, the pants, all those other things. The shoes he made himself. That's pretty cool. Now, in this, he is married, by the way. He does have a wife, Helen. And going into the story here, we go into the fact of he's been an agent of change his whole career. He broke into 20 years ago, part of the frontman of NERD. And then we goes along, talked about how he used to wear, he looked different from people in hip hop, you know, slimmer jeans, skidded, uh, fitted skate tees, mesh trucker hats. So he was a fashion icon, fashionista. Good. But then he started talking about that his wardrobe inspired subtle shifts in the culture around him and reflected shifts going on inside of him. A deep connection between his evolving fashion sensibility and his evolving fashion uh, all makes sense itself and the never ending stream of miraculous pop music created all the while he has made for him an icon for uh, styles more just about the clothes. Now here's this interesting topic he brings up here mentioning it's hard to pray online. You could, but you would have, you wouldn't have many Twitter followers. So this is kind of confronting about the fact that he might be a person that prays and, and, you know, believes in God. Okay. Well, this is what he says. That's right. And what did you just say? Followers. We're followers. And we're not following God. We're following men. So that's spiritual warfare. So when you offered me to be a part of the conversation, I'm like, yeah, because think about it. What is happening to a transgender person? What are they going through? They feel like their body is not connected to their spirit. And what kind of toxic environment do we live in that we they have to justify how they feel? That must feel incredibly insane. That is spiritual warfare. So I wanted to be in the conversation. On the surface, it is an older, straight, white, male world. But it's prompted this conversation that I think is deeper that we, that what the new masculinity is or what is a non-gender binary world looks like, I think we're in spiritual warfare. You know, you follow God for what you want to follow God for and he follow, and you follow the path that he takes you. Or you feel like you need to be taken yourself. But to go ahead and start blaming you know, where your prayer path has taken you because you're saying that we're living in a older, straight, white male world. Pharrell, how many millions of dollars have you made? Is anybody questioning you, your fashion sense or your style or the fact you got happily married and you're on top of the world? 
Okay. You're successful. How can you go ahead and talk about you're in the middle of spiritual warfare or you know anybody else that is? And listen, again, if people want to go ahead and demonstrify the fact that really what who they are and they feel like they want to be different than the cultural norm, then that's what's going to happen. Of course that's going to be. What are you going to do about that? Now, he then says, do you feel that in some ways privilege lends your voice to uplifting people who are under attack? He says, well, I'm not. I'm, I'm not like an activist. I don't think my opinion is everything. I don't know anyone else's plight. I can just say for me, the minute that I stop worrying about other people's thought and stop catering to the fears that are taught you, the minute I let all that shit go. That's when I like started, oh, that Chanel belt. I could wear that. that Chanel hat. I like it. I could pull that off. Well, that's good. Listen, dress how you feel. That I understand, and I can appreciate that. But again, it's where I'm coming from where he says, where I'm just feeling like there's something where, okay, there's another underlying sense about the fashion, which is like a little bit underlying altogether. So now he brings up Me Too, which, by the way, if you see the video, Emily Rajatowski, it's a very, you know, risque video. Miley Cyrus gets a part of that, and we know what she did at the MTV Video Music Awards. Okay. He says that blurred lines open me up, but this is after the Me Too movement. Because there were older white women who, when that song came on, they would behave in the most surprising ways ever. And I would be like, wow. They would have me blushing. So when there started to be an issue with it, lyrically, I was like, what are you talking about? There are women who really like the song and connect to the energy that just gets you up. And I know you want it. Women sing these kind of lyrics all the time. So it's like, what's rabia about that? And then I realized that there are men who use that same language when taking advantage of a woman, and it doesn't matter that's not that's not my behavior or the way I think about things. It just matters how it affects women. And I was like, got it. I get it. My mind opened up to what was actually being said in this song and how it could make someone feel. He's apologizing here. He's getting a mea culpa for putting this song out. Oh, I'm sorry. I made a few million dollars for this song. Oh, now woke culture's in, you know, male privilege. Oh, oh I'm sorry. Uh, we have to, you know, not only is it the racial privilege, there's also the problem of, oh, we got to watch ourselves and, oh, no, I have to I have to apologize for putting out a risque song that made me a lot of money with Robin Thicke. You think Robin Thicke probably being part of this? Probably not. He's a guy. There you go. That's a guy that's a guy that could be on GQ, Robin Thicke, because he looks like a, a guy's guy. And for whatever reason, why is Pharrell capitulating here? I don't understand that part. And so... He realized that we live in a chauvinistic culture in our country. He hadn't realized that. Then realized some of my songs came to that. So that blew my mind. Then here comes Happy, a record that I didn't write for myself. And I ended up being on that made people feel happy. I wrote it for CeeLo. I don't have the capacity to write that song for myself. Now, he goes into the music itself. But like I said, and what's also being asked in this article is something that's being missing in the conversation uh, is the idea of a higher masculinity. So we're supposed to be much more righteous and puritanistic. Is that right? <clears throat> now, this article asks the question to Pharrell, I think a lot of men are under the false impression that they're being asked to bury or hide or be ashamed of their masculinity. But what we really want to need to be is in touch with the divine masculine inside ourselves. What are the, is the exact opposite of the to- toxic masculine? What the fuck? I never heard that phrase before. So, Pharrell says the truest definition of masculinity, the truest definition, is the essence of you that understands and respects that which is a masculine. 
If you ask me, when we talk about masculinity, it's also very racial, this conversation. Because dominant force on this planet right now, everything is white and everything is old. Come on. Come on. And there's a particular portion of them that senses a tanning effect. They sense a feminizing effect. They sense a non-binary effect when it comes to gender. Wow. And also, look at some of those things. Now, you know what? Actually, that the leather, uh, the bed stuff doesn't, I mean, the, uh, the, the, you know, the, the, you know, sleepwear, that's not that bad. Actually, that's kind of chill. Some of the stuff is not that bad. I mean, let me tell you, somebody, what he has in here is not horrible. Now, he says that you say you have great faith, faith in younger generations. What makes you believe these younger generations won't just get more fearful and cling to the old ways? He mentions that they were born on the internet. They're allowed to be connected in a way that our species wasn't before. That's going to sound really crazy. And there's so many things wrong with that I'm about to say, but I just need to say it. I'm going to say it. If the Internet were around, the Declaration of Independence would never read that way. You know what? Lost me there. Look, I mean, he's a celebrity. If he's got to say something to kind of like make himself look good, okay. But he has nothing to answer for. And there are a lot of other people that could go the same route and become stars. I mean, and become celebrities like he is. There are a lot of young black ethnic or ethnic, you know, whatever, white, green, purple, Jew, whatever Luther Campbell said in the band of the USA, right? There are people of different ethnicities and cultures today. There's so many doors that are open and there are so many ways to go and move yourself to the top. If you apply yourself, it doesn't matter who or what you can apply yourself and get there. There's not even a question of that. Now, why did he say that? Because he says, so many people have had a much informed opinion about humanity. If you are what you do and not what you say you are, the definition of what America would mean be very different. Right now, okay, it goes on to gun control and handling, you know, the asylum, the immigration. Here we go. You know, he wants to go and talk about politics, which is, again, <sighs> amazing. And so this is what he was bringing up, and he, that's what he says. Now, when he talks about the social media piece of this is a double-edged sword because everybody can tweet how they feel, and that allows them to express themselves. But I worry there's a false sense of catharsis when you treat your outrage and keep it moving. He says that it's human nature, man. We all say this is our conviction, but what do we do? Like, have we seen dogs being kept in cages under unethical conditions? The country would be in an uproar. Well, let it be some Hispanic people, and it's whatever. People say religion has so much power in our country. It does. Those are Catholics being treated like that. And by the way, what would what Jesus would do that at the border? Would Jesus, what Jesus would support that kind of treatment of those human beings? I wish the synonym for America was humane. It's not currently. So at the deep end of this article, it's politics. What does this have to do at all about masculinity. And that's the crux. See, GQ right there just showed their hand. It's like a chess piece. Okay, here's your rook. I got your king. I see what you're doing. You decided to go put your politics into things, okay? Woke. Woke. For what? This is destroying GQ magazine. If it isn't already destroyed already, I'm sure readership has been dropping down for a long time, like many magazines of the time that decided to go a different route. 
change themselves for social justice, change themselves for cultural norms. These new ongoing cultural norms that are supposed to be there, a political correctness, because that's what they're doing. It's not even like a correctness where it's like just change your words. No, we want to change the entire direction when political correctness becomes encompassing everything. That if you don't do that, then GQ is no longer, can't be allowed. It'll be vilified if it doesn't go this way. So it's pitiful. And now he also says this. Here's an interesting part. He says that it's time for women to lead. I keep saying that, man, would that, what would the world be if women held all the highest positions worldwide? Women are waking up every day more and more to the fact they have the power. Women, millennials, the Gen Zers have the power. And there are a lot of men who recognize their privilege and they use it for good. We're such a capable species. We have the ability if we can just galvanize for good. The only thing is we have to balance the scales. He doesn't get what he's talking about. Okay, if women want to be mothers, if they want to be homemakers, if they want to have the career and the family, they're all getting to do that. Who's stopping them? Again, this guy's just capitulating. This is not masculine. It's emasculating altogether. Any traditional guy in a relationship is respectful of the woman, nurtures and protects and looks out for his woman, but he's taking the lead throughout the relationship because that's what he's supposed to do. So you're trying to say, no, we need to change all that. And then back to racism, for a very long time, we've been made to think and believe that the power was with the older straight white male, but a lot of people are up now. It's one thing to say you're awake, but you're just awake. No, no, woke, right? But don't use the word woke. When you're just awake, you're thinking, but your mind isn't all the way yet. When you're up, it's a very big difference. And that is incredibly exciting. These millennials are up, woke up. Gen Zers are woke up. And a lot of these women are woke up. Forgot to add the word there. A lot of these men who recognize their privilege, they're up, woke up. That excites me. So, yeah, we want to change and de- and reprogram guys to become pussies and to be walked over, emasculated, have the balls taken out, put in a woman's purse permanently. If they could take the testosterone, the thing that makes a man away from us, they would do that. What good is that? Again, new masculinity. Do not buy into this. Do not buy into this. I'm not going to bring up any more about this. I just think it's done. But again, you want to look at this? I'll put the story in the description. You can take a look for yourself. I just think it's ridiculous. The new masculinity. And by the way, I want to just make one other point here. When it comes to the the writer, the editor-in-chief here, Will Welch, I am I am disappointed that we now have someone like Will Welch now that's taking over GQ. He's going to destroy the magazine. Nobody's going to read this. I mean, you're going to have a certain minority that will read it, but the most of the people that would be GQ readers, I think you missed the boat. It's a mistake and it's a shame. Attacking masculinity? No. No, I don't take it at all at this face value. You know and again, at the end of the article, the questions you're asking, you're asking him to be hitting all, checking all the boxes of social justice, checking all the boxes of political correctness, all the boxes when it comes to the politics that he wants to believe in. Well, you know, political correctness. There's nothing about politics, oh, left or right, anything about this. No, there's either political correctness 
or not being politically correct. You know, doing things for politics sake. You think all these politics are helping people? I don't care. I wish we didn't have politics. You know what? It's a, it's a, a bastion of, of shame and disgust when it comes to me. I mean, I just think it's the worst thing that there is in society is politics. You know, but then again, I'm not here to talk about politics. I'm just saying, I'm just pointing out that's what they're doing. Pointing out, oh, there's gender inequality, there's racial inequality, there's white privilege, male privilege. You know what? I'm done with it. New masculinity. Pass.